thankful for the Sabbath school teachers, for the children's divisions and for the adult divisions. I'm thankful for our youth. I'm thankful for the greeters. I'm thankful for the people that pick up the trash after we leave here on Saturday, after, on Saturday afternoons. I'm thankful to you that make food for potluck and for those of you who stay. I'm thankful for the men's ministry and the women's ministry leaders. I'm thankful for the social committee and the prison ministry leaders. And I'm thankful for all of you for being here. And I'm thankful for Ron having another birthday. And I'm thankful to be here. And I'm thankful for my family. Uh, first for my parents and my brothers and my sisters who also all happen to be sitting here. Uh, we are a big Mexican family, so they take up three pews. I'm thankful for my new family, for Kim and for Austin and for Gavin and for Austin, for Kylie and for Gavin. Um, I'm thankful that they have filled my life with many blessings and many frustrations that remind me that I'm still human. And I'm just thankful to be alive. Will you pray with me? God, we are eternally grateful that you have not left us alone, that you have not forgotten us, and that when we do experience difficulty in our lives, that you are there with us. And so, God, we pray now that as we just spend a few minutes on the word, that they would be well spent and that they would transform us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Did you hear the one about the mother of three who, I guess it was yesterday early morning, pepper sprayed people in Walmart because she wanted to buy an Xbox 360? <laughs> oh, that's funny. I, <laughs> that's funny. Um, and from what it says is somehow she was trying to use the pepper spray to gain an upper hand when they removed... I guess the thing that was covering the Xbox 360s. <laughs> what are you thankful for? Kim and I also partook in some of these um, Occupy movements, and we occupied Macy's at midnight to shop, not to protest. Um, <laughs> and um, I tried to incite a riot because everybody was like, they started opening the doors, and uh, everybody was just like, Should should we go in? And I'm like, rush the doors. And Kim walked away from me because she was embarrassed. I thought it was funny. But seriously, when we, when we talk about some of these things, you know, initially, um, Kim and I, we were going to go and try to buy some gifts for our kids, and we realized nothing is worth waiting all night for. So we went after things were, or right about when they were opening. We, we didn't have to wait in any lines um, and we really didn't come away with anything because we were just like, we're done. But when we, when we the day right after uh, Thanksgiving, what, we, what ends up happening is all of the stores, they open up so we can get Black Friday deals, which really aren't deals at all. And the truth is, is that we go from one holiday to the next one, and it's happening earlier and earlier. But the thing that's happening is we're focusing so much, so much, on the gift giving of Christmas and the shopping and the buying and the this and the that. Now, I want to preface all of this by saying giving gifts is good because we all like to give gifts and we all like to receive gifts. That's great. Do that. It's, it's, a, it's wonderful. They're good traditions. You know, in my family, uh, we have certain traditions. And in my new family, we also have traditions. And so those things are good. You should never be made guilt should never be made to feel guilty for having good traditions when it comes to to Christmas. 
But let's not forget what Christmas is really about. And I know that that's what you're supposed to hear from the pulpit, but the truth is that we can get so caught up in all of the stuff that we forget that Christmas is about the event that changed the world forever. It is the day we remember because it probably wasn't, you know, December 25 probably isn't Jesus' birthday, okay? Let's just, cat's out of the bag, okay? It's probably not his birthday. But let's not forget what we celebrate on that day, the day that God thought it important enough to embody a human body so that he could come and fully explain what it means that God is love. It's kind of like, have you ever held a newborn baby? My sister just had a baby, and um, I, I went there that day, and all I could do was just hold her. Baby girl Jessalyn, just hold her. And when Kim and I have gone to go visit, all I want to do is just hold her. And I can only begin to imagine what it feels like for God who who always comes down and who always is here and who is always just trying to hold us in the good times and the bad times. We don't just hold babies when they cry, right? No, we usually hand them off to the next person. But for God, it's he holds us in the good and in the bad. And so this morning, I want to, I want to just read with you a prophecy in the Old Testament. And before we get to that, when we talk about Christmas, I, I would encourage us to use the word Advent instead. At least in church, the word we will be using is Advent. If you look over here, there are different candles this morning because they are called Advent candles, and all they really are is they're a symbolic of we are moving towards the day where Jesus brings light to the world. The day that we remember that he was born and he brings joy and goodness and peace. And the reason we use the word Advent, right? Some of you may be saying, oh, other churches use that and we don't do that. Yes, we do. Because if you look at the marquee outside of our building, what does it say? Seventh day. We should be the ones who are celebrating this the most. It's in our name. It's a part of who we are. Advent simply means the arrival or the coming of something or someone. Advent is that we, we remember that Jesus came once and we look forward to his second coming where he will restore and renew this earth where God will wipe away all of the sin and the sickness and the strife, where he will wipe out everything that is evil and unjust and not good, where God will make this world the way it was always intended to be without sin, without death, without sickness, without quarrels. One day, God will renew this place. And until God chooses to do that, we remember that he came once to begin to establish what we now call the kingdom of God. When Jesus talks about the kingdom of God, he wasn't talking about the day that he would return, but the kingdom of God is that it is here, it is at hand, it is present anywhere. You as believers follow Christ, the kingdom of heaven. It's not about a government or a group of people, but the kingdom of heaven is of people who believe that Jesus is Lord and they live it out. So the Advent, we begin to celebrate today. And the question is why? And so I want to look at an Old Testament prophecy. So it's Malachi chapter 4, verses 4 and 5. And this is what Malachi says. Remember the law 
of my servant Moses, the statutes and rules that I commanded him at Horeb for all Israel. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. So you may be asking yourself, what does this have to do with Advent or Christmas? has everything to do with it. Some of the last few verses in the Old Testament, and the prophet Malachi says, the prophet Elijah will come. So there's two parts to this. I know this is the teaching part, okay? And it's warm in here, so don't be falling asleep on me. But there's two parts on this. Moses, the law. Okay, after the book of Malachi was written, there was about 450 years of silence. You know, we've been waiting how many years? Almost 2,000 years since Jesus was resurrected and was taken to heaven. There's been about 2,000 years where in some senses there's been silence, where there is no more additions to the Bible. There is, there's, you know, we have nothing. We don't see Jesus. And so sometimes we're just like, I'm tired of waiting, but what we forget is that before Jesus came, comes onto the scene, there was like 500 years of silence where there was nothing. And then Jesus comes. There was five hundred years of waiting, of anticipation, of expectation. And so what happens, the reason that the prophet Malachi says this, he says, remember the law of my servant Moses, is that the law, which by the way means the first five books of the Bible. So not just the Ten Commandments, but the first five books of the Bible. So when they say law, they don't mean you have to do this and this and this. It's the story of creation and how God had led his people from slavery into freedom. When the Bible writers use the word law or Torah, they're not talking about a law necessarily. They're talking about the story of who God is and who he has been to the Israelites and how that same God can be trusted to do the same for us. That's what Bible writers mean when they talk about the law. When there is silence, one commentator says, there is silence. God leads us through silence so that we would remember the word of God. There is silence Because God is asking us to go back to what has been true. How many of you have experienced the time of just low depression when it comes to your spiritual faith? You don't have to raise your hand. But if you've been a Christian for any part of your life, you will have experienced at some point in your life just as kind of like you're down and out, your your cup is empty, and you're just like, God, if you're out there, I need you. It's at those times where we have to be reminded of who God is. And one of the only, or one of the best ways, not the only way, one of the best ways that we do that is by remembering through the scriptures who God is and who he has been and how that can be true for us. So in this passage, Malachi says, remember pretty much scripture, remember the story. And the second part is, and I will send you Elijah the prophet. Now, I want to read to you something from a commentary. It says, the office of Christ's forerunner, okay, I know it's wordy. The office of Christ's forerunner was to bring them back to the law, which they had too much forgotten, and so to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. The scriptures remind us of who God is. Now, do you guys remember John the Baptist, right? John the baptizer, What did he say? He says, I am just a voice crying in the wilderness, preparing a way for the Lord. And so people would ask if he was Elijah. You see, sometimes people, some people are still waiting for Elijah to come. 
But the point of this passage isn't that the actual prophet Elisha was going to come. It's that somebody like a prophet, somebody a prophet like Elijah would come to prepare the way for Jesus. And so we had silence and we used the word, they used the word to be reminded of who God was. And then God says the prophet John, a modern day Elijah to remind people, Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. In the book of Revelation, Jesus says, I am coming soon. Now, I don't know about you, but if you've ever been in the car waiting for somebody and they say, I'll be out soon, and they're not out in like a minute, it's like an eternity. It takes forever. My wife is usually the one waiting for me, but she's patient. But the moment I have to wait for her for even 30 seconds, I'm ready to leave. Does that sound bad, right? I love her. It just, I'm impatient. <laughs> Last night, um, we had family over. My in-laws were, were there. And we had to park our cars far away because we live in a little community where you only have one guest pass. It's really bad. But so we had to park our daughter's car like a mile away, maybe half a mile, quarter of them. It was pretty far and it was cold last night. <laughs> and so my two boys, you know, they're just at home bored. And I said, hey, walk with me to pick up this car. Okay. And so I'm like, oh, great, I have company. The whole way there, they were just wrestling with each other on the grass, in the bushes. And I'm just like, so I just kept walking. I'm like, I'm not waiting for you guys. You guys can walk back if you have to. I mean, it's a safe neighborhood. I just walked. So then I couldn't leave them because I had to come back to Kim. And so I was waiting. So like I get in the car and I'm like, if I turn the car on, they'll get in the car. So what do they do? They keep messing around. Like in, you know, right there on Sierra Vista. And I'm just like, you got, so I turn the car on and I start pulling away. And they're like, no, what are you doing? I'm like, get in the car. And they still wouldn't. I am coming soon. I think sometimes... Just that feeling of waiting, we get impatient, we get anxious, and we're just like, maybe Jesus isn't coming. But the truth is, he is. And waiting is okay. And I get it. Sometimes in the waiting period, a lot of bad things happen. I get that. But whatever bad happens in this life will be reversed in the life that is to come. And that may not help all of you right now that are going through some tough stuff. I get that. But that's just the way things are. See, I'm not here to preach to you that things aren't that way. No, they are. Things are difficult sometimes. Sometimes you get sick. and Sometimes people pass away. And we don't like when that happens. And yet God is moving history forward to the day what is called the day of the great resurrection when all who believe will be resurrected and recreated and they will be given a new life. It's okay if we wait because that's why every year God gave us Christmas (laughs) or the Advent because it is during this month where we are reminded it's okay if we wait because God is still fully present to us now. It's okay if I live an entire lifetime and I go to sleep with my fathers. It's okay because God is still present and fully here. It's okay if we wait a long time. It's okay because God is not somewhere distant, far away, but rather the Bible tells us that God is with us. That's why he sends Jesus. And so one of the, one of the texts that I want to share with you, and I'm going to skip over some of this because I already... 
But the one text that I want to share with you is John 17, verse 3. So when we talk about waiting, this is why it's okay. Because Jesus says, this is eternal life. That they may know you, God, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. In another place, Jesus would say, if you know me, you know the Father. If you're the kind of person that just wants Jesus to come because things are difficult, I, I'm sorry for that. And, and, and I feel for you, and I know it's difficult. But eternal life isn't about living forever. It's not about never dying and never getting sick. That's, that's a byproduct. Eternal life is about continuing the relationship you have with Jesus here into eternity. So there's something that I tell my wife, um, and I tell her, I wish I had met you when I was younger, like 12, <laughs> 13, I don't know. I don't know if I give her an age. I just tell her, I wish I had met you sooner so that I wouldn't have had to live my life up to 28 without you. And I think that that translates into this relationship that we have with God. It doesn't matter at what point in your life you have that relationship with him. It's that you'll live it out into eternity. And I truly believe that the same emotion is, comes out in us when we do finally give our life to Christ and trust him as I wish I had known this sooner because it's changed everything. You know my story a little bit, so I'm just going to share a small little bit of it. But I was raised in a Seventh-day Adventist home. So my conversion experience is not I fell off a donkey or I got into drugs and the Lord pulled me. I, my, mine was like just pretty even. Now my parents are here, so don't ask them if I was a good kid. <sighs> we have a joke. I got to say this one. So have you ever, um, this, my brother and I have this joke that we came up with a long time ago. Um, do you guys, okay, when you guys are watching the news at nighttime, right, you know, and somebody unfortunately gets shot by accident, they die, and they show a picture of them. This is stereotype. I'm sorry, but I got to, they were never into anything bad, but they have all their, like, you know, signs, like, you know, gang signs and all that stuff. I'm not judging people. I'm just saying, we grew up in that area. And so the families will always say, oh, they never did anything bad. They were such good kids, and maybe they were. And my brother and I have this joke. I think it was more my joke. I said, um, I said, you know, if that happened to one of us, my parents would be like, I knew they were into something bad. Like, <laughs> that's not a reflection on them. It's a reflection on, I guess, how we were as kids. I don't know where I was going with that. Um, I have no idea where I was going with that. That's <laughs> the point. I am. I have no idea what the point is. That was just a funny story. That's why we're a warm church because we joke up front. But when we talk about knowing Christ in this earth. When we come back to the text, it's not about what we get when we get there. It's about what we get here and now. You see, Advent, even though we wait, that's why we light these candles. There's nothing sacred and holy about these candles. 
They're just a symbol that we are waiting, and every week that comes, we will light another one because the idea is that on the weekend of the 25th, we light the middle one to represent Christ and the light that he brings to this earth. And so Advent is God's way of saying, I know you want me to come, and I do too. But perhaps there's a reason God is waiting and we don't know why. But in the meantime, God has, says, God has said, but you still have all of me. Use me. Last night I couldn't sleep. I think I fell asleep at like 5 in the morning. Like I kind of fell asleep and then I woke up. And I, I spent most of those hours in prayer, just laying down, but, you know, in prayer. And I woke up this morning tired and yet extremely refreshed. And I think what God was trying to show me last night was exactly for this moment that the moments that we get to spend with God, whether it be in prayer or study or in time with each other, it's a glimpse into the future. It's the idea that I, I disagree with something in the Bible and I don't know how to put it where it says there will be no marriage in heaven and yet I, I beg to differ with God and I say, I'm married in this world, I'm taking my wife with me. Right? God made things in such a way that it's not this world and then that world. It's, it's one entire life. And God is fully present with us always. And Advent is the time of the year where we come to church, where we are reminded that God has not abandoned us, that we are not alone, and that God is always a God who goes for us and goes before us. And I end with the words of Jesus. Which better way to end? Where Jesus says, Behold, I am coming soon. And with that in your mind, I want to read to you four different things that you can do during this Advent season. Advent should be a time for focusing on the heart a time for asking questions about our spiritual health. Number two, what are the ways that I live as if Jesus never came, as if I have no lover, no savior, no inheritance? Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever thought about what your life would be like without Jesus? To which I come back to the story of the inappropriate joke. Here it is. My life conversion there weren't these ups and downs. It was just, you know, I was a good Seventh-day Adventist kid. But when I turned 17, I actually started to read the Bible for myself. And I came across Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, that, that tells us that there is nothing we can do to earn our salvation. It's all God's grace. That was my conversion story. And I remember sharing that. I worked at an insurance agency, and I would share that with everybody. It was probably pretty annoying, but I didn't know any better, right? They liked me. And I would share that with everybody. But I remember when I read that, that text, it was like, I wish I had known this all along because it would have made a huge difference. If you don't read the Bible, read it. If you say it's hard, I don't know where to start, I don't understand it, so what? Just read it. I was 17 years old. What did I know? Read it. And the Holy Spirit will give light to you where you need it. It happened for me, and I believe it will happen to you. And God leaves us with Scripture because he says, I'm coming soon. And as we wait, God gives us those promises, perhaps because he knew it would be difficult to wait. Let us pray. God, we are, I mean, God, we say we're thankful 
for all the things you've given us, and sometimes we just don't see it. But this morning, as we begin our observation and our celebration of Advent, God, I pray that you would open our eyes to really see things the way you do. That you would open our eyes to see all of the blessings you have given to us, how you have protected us. God, we pray that during this Christmas season, as we're shopping for gifts for our family and for our friends, as we cook the dinner and as we prepare, that your Holy Spirit would just continually remind us and nudge us that the greatest gift isn't something we unwrap, but it's something that we feel, and it's something that we're awakened to, and that it is your presence. May my friends and family here this morning, Lord, experience the thing that I experienced that day, that you would fill them with hope, with joy, and with grace. In the name of Jesus we pray, amen.